Welcome to Across the Park Extra. We're talking all things Liverpool Football Club tonight. Myself alongside resident Red Terry. Delighted to be joined by one of the best-loved boxers from the city. A man who's won gold at the Commonwealth Games. Somebody who's been instrumental in the boom period in the city for the boxing in the last 10 years. And also a massive Red. The big fella, Mr David Price. Pricey, thanks for joining us on Across the Park. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, it's, it's a strange world at the minute, isn't it? It is, mate, it is, but uh, thanks for having me anyway, I'm happy to be here. Oh, I mean, we're, we're a football podcast and let's go straight into football. Obviously, you don't hide the fact you're a, you're a massive Reds. Growing up as a Reds, first memories, players, games, what, what comes to your mind straight away? I, I lived right opposite Anfield, right opposite the cop. So my, my first memories of the match in Liverpool was collecting like panini stickers, things like that. And then as I got a bit, a bit I'm talking like about seven as I got a bit older, mines and cars outside the ground for people to go on the match and you get you get like, you know, 50 pence off them for minding the car after the game had finished. And then we started going over when uh, they let out for the last quarter, mm. the bottom of the cop, they'd open the gates for people to leave. We'd run up and stand at the back and, and, what, and watch, try and, see over people and what and watch and whatnot. But um the first Liverpool game was that I actually went to was uh, an FA Cup tie against Brighton in nineteen ninety one it was and I went with my dad's mate. So that's my first memory of going to the match. Um and as far as players and anything else concerned, you're probably talking like, you know, your John Barnes is with the standout John Barnes was the standout player of, of that time. Um Peter Beardsley obviously went to Everton. What a player he was. Um, Ian Rush. The usual suspects, really. But um, just vague memories from that. It was a long time ago now, really. That was like 30 years ago. So mm. after that, you're talking like, well, I can really remember when I really, really got into the footy. You're talking the Fala, McManaman era. Polly Moore was the Macatea Spice Boys. They had to say Spice yeah, Boys, yeah. The Spice Boys band, and they, they, were, they, were, they had a lot of style, a lot of style. Some of them didn't have much substance. You know, we had the likes of um, Phil Babs and people like that in the team who, who, who was, they, they were kind of like, I don't know, something, something not, not enough. To, they weren't Liverpool players, were they? No, it did. It, it weren't enough to to do what we needed to do, and it was a frustrating time. That so anyway, I've, I've gone off a little bit there, but yeah, oh, no. that, that's me. me they're my early memories of um, of supporting Liverpool. Like, were you one of those fans, place who went to away games and that, or? Yeah, well, when I got to, I got to about fourteen, I think, and we started want to go to the away games. Me and my mates, and it was like asking our mums and dads, "Can we go?" And they did. Be agreed to being a parent now, it must have been nerve wracking for them, you know. Um, and the first game we went to was uh, Aston Villa, Aston Villa away, and it was 1997 98 season. And Collie Moore had just signed for Villa, and I think he scored two. Yeah, I think he scored, scored. Yeah. yeah, I remember that game, yeah, or yeah. no, one or two anyway. And we went on a Barnes as coach, got to Stanley Park at like. Oh, must have been got there about nine o'clock in the morning. We weren't leaving till quarter past eleven. I was drinking all types of super strength ale in in the <laughs> park, just just doing what kids do. And uh, 
as soon as we got on the coach, we were singing songs and all that at the back. And all, all the all the fellas our age or even younger, like in the twenties, must have been like, like what are these up to be? But we've all been there. And then once we started going the away games, we we got the bug. Then me and me mates, it was like like a, a massive a massive adventure going to the away games, especially especially the London games when you get the terrain. Um, and we had like a family rail card at the time where if one adult paid full price four kids could go on for two pounds each and we just split the five you know whatever it cost for the five between us and uh, you know I had a few I had a few tales to tell with with you know ticket inspectors and things like that and went to West Ham once went to West Ham once on on that premise where we had an adult ticket but you needed the adult with you to to make it valid and I can't remember who had our adult ticket, but we lost them after the game. And coming home, there was a guard on, on the uh, thing stopping people, you know, wanting to see your tickets. And I tried to just get through with a £2 rail card, and he just went, you haven't, you've got no chance. So, so I started, walked back and stuck, missed the train, stuck on my own in Houston. So the, the next train leaving out to Houston was a, a Manchester train. So I thought, I'll get to Manchester and get home somehow. I'll just get on it. There might be there might be a guard, and it was Saturday night, and uh, sat there. And the ticket inspector starts walking through, and I went, "Oh no!" And he was doing an egg count, so I just got up and went in the toilet. Thought I lied in the toilet. I in the toilet. And bear in mind, I must have been about fifteen. No less. I was probably sixteen at this stage, but I was about the same height as I am now. Not much. Not much shorter. So <laughs> it was easily easily spotted, and. Um, I heard a knock on the door and the, and the, the ticket inspector just looked at him like that and he went, uh, have you got a ticket? And I went, no. And he went, well, you, you're going to get fined, whatever it was. So I was like, okay, um, I've lost I've lost my mates, blah, blah. So he went, can I phone someone to confirm who you actually are? I went, because he was going to post the fine to me. So I said, yeah, phone, phone me, mum. So we got like this big Al phone out. Yeah, mobile, I'm like a big Motorola. <laughs> phone, phone the house. I mean, mum must have shit herself getting a, getting a phone call yeah. off like a train inspector. She must thought it stuck my head out the window and fucking come <laughs> off or something. <laughs> so she, 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 he just said, "Is there anything um, distinctive about him that you know can can tell me that you know him?" And she was like, "Yeah, he's like six foot seven. And he's like, "Okay, and that was it." And uh, oh, it was an ordeal. I got home. I got home. After match of the day had ended, that's how long a day it was for me. And uh, thankfully, the, the inspector must have just give me a, give me a walk over. He didn't send, he didn't post the fine, and it, it didn't arrive at the house. So that was one of the tales from the ways. But we loved them, we loved them, and um, couldn't get enough of them when we were kids. Nearly couldn't. What about the European games? Did you ever go away? Talking possibly moving up to 2005 now, Istanbul. Every red team yeah. has a story from, from that game. And oh, Terry up there, he, he went to Istanbul. He's got yeah. his own story. Did you go to that one? I did, yeah. I did. I, I went to a couple a couple of like, you know, Barcelona's big games like that. Where, where I remember going in 2001 to Barcelona and, and the thought then was like, you know, we might never get the chance to, to go here again. Mm. No, we knew obviously what what's happened since, but went there and then um, we went to a few different little away games and around Europe. Um, but the Istanbul, yeah, we we went we went to Istanbul. I went there with, with my mates, and it's it's just been the anniversary recently, hasn't it? and it brings all the memories back of um, what what a great time it was over there and. Um, yeah, just just amazing, just amazing. Still, 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 like surreal. Even thinking about what happened, but uh, again, great. The match, the match was just part of part of the story. There's yeah. all, all obviously all different things going on. I'll tell you another story about Istanbul now as well, because yeah. I I went over there um, and I was due to fight in in an amateur tournament in Italy a few weeks later. So I took me, me run trainees over with me because we were there for three days. We we were coming home the day after the match. So we missed the parade. Um, sorry, two days after the match, we were coming home. So we had a day a day there, the day later. Did you miss the parade as well? We missed you? the parade, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was gutted. But uh, we stayed there. So I said, I'll go out for a run. 
got my trainees on and, and, and went for a run and I just kept running and running and I ended up in and it, it was like 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 a bit of a ghetto in Istanbul and there's no way they'd ever seen a six foot eight red haired <laughs> scouser running yeah. through their, their neighbourhood, that's for sure. And I was getting some real funny looks. And I, but when you're young, you, you you don't really you don't really take you kind of just go with the flow. I don't think I'd do that now. I'd probably have a look where I could go safe, you know, find a park and I just ran. And I run through the streets and there, there's a police car at the bottom of the street and two coppers standing there. And he just went, whoa, 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 no, no, come here, come here, come here. Grabbed me and just went, get in the car. Drove me out of the area and dropped me off on a main road and just said, don't go back down there again. So God knows what was going on down there or what, what got, could have happened to me. But uh, I always like to tell that, that little tale to Mr. Yeah, it was a crazy one, Istanbul, wasn't it? Because like, it, you, it sounds like you're the same to us. We were in like some proper snide hotel down some back streets, but then yeah. when you when when you went the game, we were on our coach for about two hours, and you just ended up in this yeah. this ground that was just like landed on the moon or something. It was just Man. in the middle of nowhere, wasn't it? Just like crazy, just well, waste ground. Were, yeah, crazy. And we've been in a similar similar type of location as far as the hotel is concerned. And we got we got a bus in the afternoon, and it and it was a long, long journey, yeah. wasn't it? Um, it was, yeah. I can't remember the journey back from the ground. I can remember the journey going, and I, and I can remember just coming back to Taxham Square after it, and yeah. queuing up in a McDonald's for something to eat, and and just being exhausted. It was an exhausting day because it was a yeah. long day, and the extra time and the emotions of it all and everything else. It was it, it was emotional. It was a uh, it was great, Tom. Yeah, it was, and it's funny that you say that because, like, when you get asked a question, when you say you were there, and people go, "Wow, oh, what was it like afterwards?" You must have been celebrating like mad, yeah. and I, and I, I always say the same as you. It's like you got on that coach, and everyone was wiped out. It yeah, was literally adrenaline. wiped out. The adrenaline dump, I think, yeah. and then is, the journey yeah. back yeah. into the into the city centre. It was yeah. just, it, it was, it absolutely rest. was rest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no boss times. Did, did you sense. did you get to any any of the the Cardiff finals, David? Um, yeah, yeah, I went the Birmingham one, um, and then I went the Owen, yep. the Owen Cup the final Arsenal one, one yeah. And, yeah, and that always stands out to me, the um, the Arsenal one. Yeah, same. It was fucking unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. And and Liverpool don't do things by halves in cup finals until until the the last one in Madrid, and it was in Madrid. I remember saying, I just hope Liverpool aren't typical Liverpool. As long as we win, yeah, but they have your nerves gone, don't they? Yeah. You know, it's comebacks, scoring last minute equalizers, and this was no different. The, uh, the I call it the Owen one because of the, the Michael Owen, really. the two goals and ten. You know, I know he's, he's uh, not as no one, not, not people aren't as fond of him as, as it could have been. But when he was on me, when he was hot, he was oh, fucking hot, wasn't he? So, oh, and then that, that was like up to that point, that was the and, and still now one of the most euphoric matches I've been to for. for you know, emotions of ups and downs, and and it all happens in that short space of time. It was like explosive. It was, it was great. Uh, yeah. So Cardiff, Cardiff was good to Liverpool, really. Um, is, yeah. Yeah. And and it was about it was about that time though. At, it was the end of the two thousand and one season. I kind of I kind of stopped enjoying going the match for whatever reason. I, I just it's a point where. I'd, I'd grown a little bit tired of it and I might have just got to an age I'd not long met me bed and my boxing was starting to become a little bit more serious and I was mm. focusing my energy more on that because I remember sitting that, that season we won the treble I remember I had a season ticking in the upper Anfield Road and I remember sitting there a lot of the time and earlier got results that year but the, the football weren't very attractive mm. and I remember sitting there a bit, a bit bored and, and then after that for a couple of years, I, I just, I just stopped, um, and and so so you like see your your, your Chelsea finals, a card of a couple of them, couple of ones. I didn't go to them. West Ham, my daughter had just been born the, the Wednesday before, so I, I, I didn't go to that one either. But um, but yeah, Cardiff, Cardiff was good to Liverpool. 
Yeah, some of my best memories there, certainly. Like, yeah. So you're saying yeah. there, you're saying there, David, that your boxing career has just started in the 2000s, so it's a bit more important to you. You say you're going for runs after European Cup finals and things. Just to, yeah. to move on to that, your 2006 Commonwealth Games, the boxing team in Melbourne, gold medal, and then 2008, the Olympic Games, a bronze medal. How do you get into those sorts of things? You know, the Olympics, who, do you put yourself into that? Or you've got a boxing coach who does it? What's the process behind the Olympics? And the, the Olympics, yeah. The, more, well, the, the Commonwealth, for, for both, initially, you, you, have to, you have to be selected to, uh, as, as a, you know, an elite boxer for, for this country. Mm. So you have to win... You'd have to win area titles and then you'd have to win national titles. Um, and then you've got to prove yourself on the international stage. It's it's a really difficult process to become an Olympian as a boxer. As a boxer and that's why one of my proudest achievements is just become an Olympian. Hmm. Not, even, not even the medal, you know, just the Olympian um, thing, especially with boxing. Because for years previously, before we all went to Beijing, we only qualified one, two boxers at a time because the qualifying process is that difficult. So first and foremost, you, you, you're likely going to have to win an ABA title. Then you start getting selected to go on national centralised training camps with the, the, the best trainers in the country. And then you get selected to go and represent England in loads of different tournaments all over the world. And and you're talking in like shit old places, staying in dumps of a hotel, and it's really, really character building, and and it builds mental toughness. And people don't see this um, in the amateur game. They just see it at the Olympics, mm. where it's all colourful and on and on BBC and everything's bright and shiny, and they don't see the 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 ninety five percent. Yeah, the, that's just the tip of the iceberg. The journey to it, it's it's proper. Really, really uh, difficult, really, and that's why, like I said, becoming becoming an Olympian was a massive uh, achievement for me. Because I tried in Athens as well, didn't quite quite get there, uh, and then the Commonwealth Games were two thousand six, and to go to Commonwealth, you, the, your country can just select you to go to Commonwealth, which is what happened with the Olympics. The Olympic, the Olympic Committee can only give so many spaces in the Olympics for athletes and boxing gets allocated a certain amount. So then boxing's governing body in the amateurs, IEBA at the time, they allocate the positions for, for the fighters and you've got to go and earn them at tournaments. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to go and actually qualify for the Olympics and them qualifying nice. tournaments were, were, were like notoriously difficult and very political, really political. The amount of people who, who could and should have been Olympians in boxing, even, you know, like Stephen Smith from this city, mm. he, he was he was an Olympian that just didn't didn't get the tracksuit because he qualified in one of the tournaments but just got fucking absolutely ripped off by one of the judges. Now if you look if you look at Eastern Europe as a whole, especially now, maybe not in the future, but a lot, a lot of the, I say not in the future because the, the people who, who are involved in doing it are getting old now and probably got to retire soon, but Belarus, Lithuania, all, all these Eastern Bloc countries, they were once part of one, of one union, weren't they? Yeah. And they all still know each other. They all still look after each other. So if you've got a Belarusian judge and you're uh, uh, out of out and maybe a uh, Belarusian or Ukrainian. Three of the three of the judges are like fighting Russian. So it is. It can be very political, but. Um, you know, I, I won three three ABA titles. I was I was I, I was captain of the Olympic team, wasn't I? So, mm. you know, I, I was one of the most experienced and most most decorated as well. Uh, and I had, I had a great amateur career, really good amateur career. Do you know, do you know now you're, you're, you're sorry to tell you now you're a pro and you've got your 
you get your fighting, you've got camps for fighting, your preparation for that. Out looking back now, you you can compare that preparation to preparation for the Commonwealth or the Olympics as a young lad. Looking back now, do you think there was a lot of a lot of pressure on you personally going into that the Commonwealth and the Olympics? Yeah, there was there was pressure on myself because I, I always put pressure on myself to to perform and I probably put too much pressure on myself right away through even even up until not probably only stopped doing it recently where the expectation had dropped. So if I could do it again, I'd do it differently. Just just from a from a a, a mental standpoint, you know, it's one of them. And if we if we knew then what we know now, we'd all we'd all be you know, we'd all be much better off, wouldn't we? But it's all part of the journey, I suppose. Um but yeah, the 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 pressure was on myself to become an Olympian because I had had um didn't get to Athens, so I was like, right, I'll get to Beijing, and I, and I got there in the end. The Commonwealth again, and the gold medal would have been, would have been, um, I wouldn't have been happy with less than a gold medal at the Commonwealth because it's not, mm-hmm. it's not the most difficult of tournaments for boxing. You haven't got your your real your real powerhouse countries there. It, it's uh, it it's definitely, you know achievable for, for a lot of people to win a goal but it's still still a good achievement and it gives you a good platform to push on towards the Olympics boosted my confidence as well when that goal medal come out because it made it give me like the confidence to push on and become uh, an Olympian yeah well why, why is it pricey that like British boxers haven't fared so well in the world championships is that to answer you know a bit of politics because I think it was only Frankie Gavin was it who, who was the first yeah, one to, yeah. to, to sort of win it and if you know, we, we see British boxers sort of medal at the Olympics and we've seen them at the Commonwealths and things like that, but the World Championships just seems to elude British boxers. What is yeah. it? What, what's behind that? Like, it's it's so it's just so so difficult, honest to God. It, it really is. Um, that's what makes Frankie Gavin's achievement so so special. But uh, see, in the in the world, there's a higher volume of people there. Mm. There's a higher volume of people in your weight there, so you're gonna have to fight more times to win the gold medal. And even though the quality, it's quantity, as well as quality, because the best are there. But you might get an easy draw for your first two fights, but you still, you're still having to make the weight an extra two times or whatever else. Especially glad you make the weight, and that's one of the things with with amateur boxing. They're having to keep the weight down for up to 10 days where in professional boxing you weigh in the day before and that's it you, you can refuel and then you have your fight and it's gone so I think I think that that could be one of the one of the uh, one of the issues and it, it's just it's just a hard tournament to win and, it, and you know the London Olympics we had great success and a lot of that was down to to the home support without a doubt without a doubt and, and amateur boxing is it does favour the home, the home team. Wherever you go, look, the judges, anything else, they the they getting they getting looked after. Nice meals, not you know, not not getting paid off or nothing. But wherever, wherever, it's just how it is, isn't it? You know, yeah, there's it's an natural it tendency. It, tendency. If you're the host, you're gonna look after your your the people who have come to do the job. And human nature, from from their perspective. Maybe to just lean towards the people who've been dead nice to them for the last yeah. ten days, you know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that can come into play. And glad that's been amateur boxing's been littered with that and famous ones, and it like the Roy Jones in the Olympic final, things like that. And Floyd Mayweather. There's there's a hell of a lot. Do you know your your boxing career, you turned pro in two thousand and eight and, and those first three or four years, it was like an uprising. Us as boxing fans were being told like this, yeah. this big scouser knocking people out, like go and see him. I went to anti race course just to go and watch you fight, you know what I mean? Because it was such an uprising. Yeah, Looking yeah, back yeah. now, is that a special time for you those first few yeah. years as a as a pro? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. And I know there's different ways of it to look at it, uh, at it for me, because I can look back and say well, you know, I was I was being touted to go on and do this and that, and, and that didn't happen. And I can look back and think uh, as a disappointment, but I could have not had the start I had and just, just plodded through and got a few points wins and 
and still ended up not doing what what was being and but, but I wouldn't have yeah. had the hype. So the hype that having the hype was was actually it was good. Yeah. I wouldn't change it, you know, because it creates interest. People people get to know you. People want to see you fight, and it created a, a lot of momentum for me at the time. And although people, because I do see I do see people on social media, you know, laughing at the fact that at one point Tyson people thought that I'd beat Tyson Fury, no problem. And people now are looking back and that and thinking, oh, look how stupid he looks and things like that. But look, that's 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 just how it was at the time. No, no, no one's got a crystal ball. You can only go off what you believe at that time. And, and I was flying, but it was at a certain level. And although I do, do at times think and believe I could have gone on to do more, I also believe that it's important to accept your limitations as, as an athlete or, or even, even as a person sometimes. And that might sound negative, but sometimes you have got to go, look, that's my level. There's no point me beating myself up about it and, and saying I could have done this, that and the other. You know, it is what it is and, and, and here I am. And I've, uh, you know, I, I do look back at that time and I, I do miss it, to be honest, because it, it was exciting. It was like the world was my oyster and anything was possible. But I think deep down in my own mind, I always felt that it wasn't all as it seemed. I kind of like, you know, these people are getting a bit too excited here. And, you know, I, they're asking a lot of me. They were asking a lot of me and I'm probably looking too far, far forward into the future and thinking that, you know, fighting clitch goals, this, that and the other, because it was all getting mentioned. But like I said, some fighters go through their entire career. They can even win a world title, but they can't walk. They can walk down the street and no one will notice them. Do you get me? And and I I don't get that. Everyone recognises me. Obviously, I can't. Do you know, do you know what it was, Pricey? As again, as boxing fans, it was like a special attraction. That's what you were like. It was like David Price. You were like the attraction. Yeah. Going what what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See that 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 again is like. Aaron, you say that is like that. That makes me look back. Back and, and feel a little bit like, oh, I wish I could yeah. go back to that, you know, because what one once that once that aura that you've got is 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 taken away or you lose it by losing a fight or whatever, it's very difficult to get back. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've spent I spent that's what I'm saying. I spent a few years trying to get it back and telling myself, you know, I'm better than this. I can do this. I can do this. And then at one point, I just went right and well, no. But I can still compete, and I can still still be active, and you know it's my job to to be a fighter. Just because you're not the best, there's a there's a common like fallacy within sports and sports fans that if I'm guilty of that being he's shite, you know what I mean? Oh, he's shite him, he's shite, and that that that's that's where I've gone. Well, you know, mm. I'm not the best, but still decent enough to, to operate at a good level. And there's always there's always room for someone like me in, in boxing. Someone to my size, like you're saying, special attraction. There's not many like me. Punch power can be knocked out myself. Always involved in exciting fights. And, and while I'm while I'm still young and, and well enough, healthy enough and, and fit enough to do that, I'll, I'll, I'll just carry on doing it. Your, your name still carries so much weight. You've been on undercards, and the story is yeah. who, who's pricey fighting. Yeah. Is pricey going to knock this fella out? On, on, you're on undercards. Your name's yeah. still worth yeah. so, so yeah. much weight in the boxing world. I think it is, yeah. And and that's why I'm saying, that's why, even though I won't be topping a bill anytime soon, that that attraction's still there. And it only takes it only takes one or two wins, and I know that myself, because yeah. I, beat, I beat Tom Little, I beat... Um, Cash Alley and a beat Dave Allen. And with all due respect, I don't think any of them are capable of winning a British title. And I beat them three, and then I got a, I got a, I got my biggest fight in my no. career against Derek Chisora, albeit you know a short notice job. But that that to me is proof. The proof is in the pudding that a few a few wins against average level of opposition, and, and you're right back in there. So it's a um, it's encouraging, but you know we don't know what's gonna gonna happen with shows and fans being allowed. I think things are gonna change a little bit, and opportunities might dry up a little bit. I hope not, but we'll see. 
you, you mentioned there before social media and, and Tyson Fury. We, we can't not ask you about that because back in like 2012, 13, he's had a bit of beef back and forth on Twitter. And it was like the whole of Liverpool started tweeting Tyson Fury, basically saying, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going to knock you out. And it seemed to us as boxing fans like that fight was going to happen. Was there ever a, a yeah. moment in time where that the plan was Price v Fury? Yeah, there was. There was. Uh, it was. It was being spoken about from the minute I turned pro. He, he turned pro just before me. He turned pro just after the Olympics, and uh, I turned pro in the February or the January. And straight away, it was we were talking of it because we fought as amateurs and things like that. And um, it was. It was always think. Well, wait till one of us has got a British title, and then he won the British and Commonwealth titles and um, I became mandatory when I knocked John McDermott out in the Olympia and I had a feeling he weren't going to take the fight and what happened it went to Pierce bids and he withdrew and vacated his belt so people were all over him then calling him a shithouse and you know he took, took the fight and this that and then it drove him mad and he went missing for a bit I think he banged a load of weight on and then he went missing for a bit and come back with, with uh, Peter Fiori. Sorry, mm. come back with Peter Fiori training him then. And um, it was being spoken about again. And I, I you know, I was I was going through opponents like a knife through butter, you know, uh, with all the Arisons, Sam Sexton, all, all them. And I, we he never actually discussed or negotiated the fight, but it was coming close. Um, and then I lost. As simple as that, I, I lost to Tony Thompson and the fight, the fight, we ain't gone, but it was going to become difficult to make then. Um, yeah. You know. But I mean, just before you go on to, on to the Tony Thompson one, it, it felt, I think, me speaking from, from a boxing fan watching it, it did feel like it was a bit of a cat and mouse, you know, sort of chase, like Fury was, was sort of always there like, and it felt like he was running away like Mills he said you know boxing fans were, were, were calling him out and stuff and you had this back and forth do you, do you think that knocked you a little bit and, and maybe forced you to, to put your foot on the gas a little bit more than you wanted yeah, to yeah. to try and get that fight with Fury yeah definitely definitely I mean it was it, at that, I think at that time I was probably well I definitely know for a fact at that time I was more popular than him yeah. You know, people people liked me. People didn't like him at all at that time because he was a prick at the time. Mm. And and he's and yeah. he's obviously I was one of yeah, them. He's yeah. grown up and he's matured now and people really like him and rightly so, but at that time he was he wasn't uh, he wasn't very, very nice person and people people were against him. So I felt like I was kind of in the driving seat at that time. I had the British Commonwealth title he'd avoided me and everything else. Um so it was it was kind of he was he was stepping up his level opponent still a little bit more well only one fight he fought Kevin Johnson the American yeah. and um, he's only lost to Klitschko at this point I think Kevin Johnson so it was a good fight and he beat him on points over twelve rounds but Kevin Johnson like threw five punches the whole fight and that was exactly the type of fight I needed at that time. Because mm. I was just getting in and blasting people out. And I started believing in me whole, my own hype and thought only had to hit someone on the chin. And it was it was curtains for them. And as well as well I say believing in my own hype, probably just the confidence was was growing massively. Mm. And um the Tony Thompson fight obviously put 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 a stop to it. But, but what happened in my mind, I think Frank Maloney made the wrong decision in picking Tony Thompson as an opponent and he may well have been looking at McHennessy getting Tyson Fury Kevin Johnson's and people like that Tony Thompson was an awkward southpaw six foot six his last fight was against Vladimir Klitschko yeah and and it weren't the right fight to take so I should have just we, you know I think me and my trainer didn't like the fight but we went you know what we'll take it because we were getting them for cheap which meant I'd earn more money the way the deal I had and I thought I'll, I'll beat this fella and really apart from you know getting caught on, on the back of the year where I got caught and I, I only had to stay on my feet that night because I don't think Tony Thompson was in any shape to, to, to fight no. he, just, he just he hit the jackpot Um uh, and that was a fucking hard thing to, to to deal with my first loss as a professional. Like it was so fucking um, so much kicking the balls like big time, big time, especially after 
the wave I was riding, and it all come crashing down. And uh, and, and you know, since then it hasn't quite got to where it was before. It felt like he he was horrible as well leading to the rematch. He was saying all these things like you've got to come to America now and stuff, and he was putting like obstacles back in the way when ideally. He just wanted to go and see you and knock him straight back out and put it behind you. I feel like he was putting like, things in place and stopping it. Yeah, but what, what happened there with the rematch, and, and this is my ego probably got in the way at this point, because the, the other person who, who was getting talked of, of, you know, the three people at that time probably getting spoken about most is the next wave of heavyweights was myself, Fury and Wilder. Um, now, once I'd lost to Tony Thompson, we had a rematch clause, but... The word was that Deontay Wilder was going to get him for his next fight. Now, my ego was like, Deontay Wilder's going to knock this fella out and it's going to make my loss look worse again. And I was like, get him, get him back. We need, I need to fight him. I need, I need to put the wrong right straight away. Um, and that's why I went straight in straight in for it. But is is you're talking about putting obstacles in the way. They had other options then, and we're like, oh, well, no, we want to have it over here, and we might fight Wilder, and we, we were desperate to get him back, um, which was the wrong decision, ultimately. Well, away from your career, this period was quite transitional for, for going back to footy Liverpool. I think um, FSG, the old Yanks were in there, Kenny came back, Brendan came in, and it's a bit, bit of a mess. But two two things I do want to ask you about is, over this period where Liverpool lost Jamie Carragher and Stephen Gerrard, Jamie Carragher retired and then Stephen Gerrard went to America for 18 months before retiring. Can you remember what you felt like as a fan watching two legends of Liverpool like that you know, leave the club? Yeah, it was sad, wasn't it? It was sad. Him, because you'd watch them grow from boys to men, really, and that's why mm. them two players are like unique um, in their own ways. Obviously, but they've been a one a one club man, more or less. Um, obviously, Gerard went to America, but they were there from schoolboys right the way through, and they they were just. Um, just just massive parts of the club. So yeah, it was it was just sad, especially especially Gerard. Gerard, you know, he, he could have got in any Liverpool team. Um, probably our best ever player. You could argue, depends on what what generation you're from. Best player I've seen in Liverpool shirt. So when he when he retired, it was yeah, it, it, it's it's just sad. It, you know, it's just sad sad feeling, but. Life has to go on, doesn't it? You know, life has to go on for all of us, and no less him. So he uh, he achieved a lot. Wish he could have won the league, and 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 it it does do me it does do me head. And the, uh, the the people are still all over the slip thing. You can't get away yeah. from it. it. Does my fucking <laughs> head in, you know? And and I, I, I still I still can't watch it because although we're about to to win the league in these circumstances, whatever else. I'll never forget how bad that felt that season. You know when um, how bad was it, Terry? When you know when yeah, that, that yes, was yes. fucking horrible. I mean, look, you're never Tony, and obviously, yeah. aren't you? So you, you, you know, you know. You know well, I, like I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not brave enough to tell you what I felt when it happens. <laughs> yeah, you know what it's like to feel. Yeah, exactly. You, that you the yeah. opposite end of scale, but it's when you've come so close to to glory like that, and it's just wow, killer. I think it. I think it was the manner of that season as well, wasn't it? Like the way we were just talking oh. teams. You know, every the groove was was there, wasn't it? Like you know, team. Remember, remember the Arsenal game? We just absolutely bladdered them in the first twenty minutes, and they that just fire, like, really. But that, that that was the other thing we did. I don't. I don't think people people said we bottled it that year, but we didn't because we. I think we won ten on the spin. We we were brilliant mm. in the running, and then they had that bit of bad luck. There was no bottle in it. I just think. Uh, you know, we knew we'd nearly done it, nearly men again, but it's just, it, I'm still I'm still a little bit, I'm all made up the footy starting again. I'm frustrated that we're not going to be there to see it and, and feel it. Yeah. You, you know, you wanted to fucking taste it, didn't you? And, and the, no- the noise it. and everything that comes with going, the match, the smell of it, mm. you know what I mean? That that's yeah. We're not going to see that. Although, you know, take what you can at this time, innit? Klopp came out, didn't he, last weekend? He said, look, if it happens, we'll celebrate eventually. Even if it's like in you know 13 games into next season, our fans deserve us to celebrate with them, and, and we will. So yeah. I think he said as well, I don't care what people think about that. I don't care what we'll look like. Will Liverpool yeah. 
Liverpool Football Club, I'm going to celebrate it. So I think eventually there might be something, but I know what you mean. That that that, that yeah, final line, final whistle yeah. in the grounds and live, yeah. Because it was getting to a point though where <laughs> we were flying that much this season. It was getting to a point where it was like, I'm I, am I bad for saying this. It was getting a bit fucking boring. Where it was like. I hope the other team scores first to make this a bit interesting. It was especially towards, like, you know, you're playing West Ham at home, games like that, and it was starting to feel a little bit like, this is getting a bit too easy now. The, the, la- yeah. the last time I can remember really being the biggest roar type of thing was the Man United that all went Salah scored. I, th- I, think that was, I think that was the moment when we knew... Do you know what I mean? And I think that I mm-hmm. think for me it peaked. Then I was like, it's it's done this now. It peaked, and after that it was just a matter of just plodding on. Um, and West Ham away was another one, but I think their ground's a bit of a weird one. The atmosphere, it's, it, it, it yeah. just seems like a, like a friendly, yeah. doesn't it? So, but yeah, um, if he if he's going to put a celebration on, we'll we'll be there, won't we? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm the same as you. You know what? I've seen Liverpool win everything except this league. Yeah. You know, we've won it in my lifetime, but not when I can remember it or, or, or can appreciate it. So I think, you know, I got my season ticket and you've been waiting and waiting for this to come round and we waited so long and then to, to have it just snatched away by this thing that we can't oh. even see. It's just like... Oh, Torture. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I, I had to yeah, stop. Absolutely. I had to stop thinking about, about footy for a while. Um, obviously, the more more important things were going on than footy. But then, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I can't fucking believe this, you know. <laughs> I can't believe it. But but, oh, but, but anyway, they um, played today, didn't they? They won six 0 today. Yeah, six 0 against yeah, Blackburn. So yeah. Whatever, just take what we can in it, and then hopefully the players will, 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 will go. Do you know what? We've got to win it again now because. You know, we're in, we're in them circumstances. People will always say, oh, there's an asterisk next to it, like the wartime league games, early titles, things like that. But, yeah, just, uh, I'll be celebrating, mate, anyway, that's for sure. Do you know, before this yeah, happened, if this COVID-19 and, and we're now looking at playing in empty stadiums, where were you standing on where you wanted to win it? Because people were saying we, you can win it at Goodison and how good would it be to win it at Goodison? Because a lot of our fans were singing, yeah. you lost the league at Goodison Park, you know, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you have preferred that or Aranfield? Oh, yeah. Uh, do you know what? I think I think Anfield for me. I think um, Goodison would have been great to rub it in Everton's faces. But it isn't about Everton. Mm. So for me, mm. you know, all them people, them fifty odd thousand Liverpool fans who've been going that match for the last thirty years and, and not seeing us win the league, I'd rather have. That's what I'm saying about the noise. You know, that, you know that that feeling when when it's actually done. That I think I think as I preferred it, and it was likely going to be Crystal Palace at home, wasn't it? I think that that yep. was the one. Um, for me, I would much rather. All the Liverpool fans, all that energy in Anfield together to be able to, to enjoy it, rather than the few thousand in the in the low Bullens who, who could hardly see a fucking thing anyway, because the posts <laughs> and the odd ones around the ground who, who paid an Evertonian for the season ticket for that yeah. for that game. Um, I think I think at Anfield, yeah. Yeah, we always get questions. We do a weekly podcast, and we get questions in from listeners sometimes. And when we ask for questions, Liverpool fans always want Terry and the other two Reds to answer. Who was the better player, Fernando Torres or Luis Suarez? For you, who was the better striker? When Torres first came, he was fucking brilliant, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. He, he was unbelievable. Him, um, but I think we've seen his best. He's seen his best days at Liverpool without a doubt. And I think when we sold him, it was the perfect time. To sell him, yeah. Suarez is to me, he's like a, um, like a bit of a masonry. Suarez, he, he he's he's a, he's an out and out winner for himself. He played with the team, but I say that because of you know the fact that he's gone to Barcelona, and I don't think he'd have any kind of sentimentality towards Liverpool or Ajax, any of his previous clubs. I think he's just about what's happening here and now, and he wants to fucking win no matter what. But what a player, you know, unbelievable. I, I remember him trying to fucking head the ball in on the floor, or you know, stick his head in front of the ball to to get it out of someone's way, and just c- his competitive nature. 
uh, was, was unbelievable and some of the goals he scored was work rate. I, I, I'd say Suarez. Yeah, I, I, I always say Suarez. Yeah. I mean, Torres, I think for, for a period, he was the best striker in world football, wasn't yeah. he? He was absolutely unplayable. And then Gerard, the partnership, yeah. the was just Fantastic, unbelievable, yeah, wasn't unbelievable. It? telepathic. Yeah. But I agree, Suarez. Yeah, and I think you're right, you know, the, the, the way he had that attitude and that, that competitor that he had. And it was almost like it enhanced the team, yeah. but was he a team player? As yeah, you say, yeah, it was more. Yeah. He was just—he just wanted to win that much. He'd take the team along, exactly. with him, you know, sort of thing. Exactly. That, um, that's but, how I feel. That's how I felt about him. Um, yeah. But what a player! Yeah. Oh, another talking point on on the weekly pod that the Reds always have is this season's obviously gone so well. You couldn't really ask for it to go much better. However, at the time Klopp was playing the kids in the FA Cup, and a lot of Liverpool fans were emailing goes in saying, "If you played the first team, we'd win it." Where were you on that? I know obviously you beat Everton in the, in the third round, which was, you know, yeah. be a fantastic day for you. But do you think if Klopp, did you want Klopp to play the first eleven at Chelsea and at you know at Shrewsbury and go and yeah. go and try and win that cup? Yeah, I, I did, but I, I'm not one to start questioning anything that mm. that man does because mm. he's got everything right so far. You 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 know I can't. But I was I was I was thinking. It is good to keep the winning, the winning mentality going, keep the momentum going, and 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 try and win everything. Why not? I did want us to, I did want us to try and win everything. But once once we were out of the cup, it was like well, it's gone now. We, 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 there's only one thing we had really, really after this season more than anything, and that was that was the league. And uh, but then I thought we had a great chance of defending the European Cup this season, and. It's the forgotten game now, isn't it? The, the Athletic Home Madrid game at home, but that that was a that was a knife, that was a knife in the in the in the uh, in the uh, that I was gutted after that. Um, but I had a feeling going to match that it'd be the last game of the season because it was just starting to to come up, come out what what was happening on it. But no, I, I would have enjoyed, I would I would have loved to have gone for the for the lot. But like I said, I, I, I tried my best not to question any club. Do you still get to go to the games this season? Obviously, you're in the cop or in the in the in the posh bit with the prawn sandwiches, or no, I'm not in the posh bit. But I'm in, I'm at the upper centenary, um, the, the Kenny's Agri stands. It's called now, isn't it? So I have to sit upstairs where the the seats are at a steeper angle because my knees yeah. can't fit. Your legs. I, can't, I wouldn't fit in the cop. Well, I won't go in the cop for that reason. Even if, even if I'm in the lower centenary and the seats are on my shins, so yeah. you, so, you, well. so when it when it was when it was like sixteen through to, to twenty or whatever, I had a season ticket in the lower centenary, but it was in the cop, so it was like a little block in the corner, block one oh nine. It's classed as the cop, but it's it's on the centenary, and I, and I, and I was happy to just put up with the pain then just to be at the match mm. but I got to a point where I was like I'm not fucking sitting like that again because me, my legs were crippled yeah. so I have to sit upstairs um, and next to me little lad who probably won't be not so little much longer so I'll have to try and <laughs> I'll have to try and sort something out so another question we, we can't not ask you is when you were on the um, the Bell and Macabu cards at Goodison Park was there ever a chance that you never walk alone was being played as you walked to the ring or yeah. No, no, I mentioned it to him and he just said, no, um, <laughs> he said, he's someone, I don't know whether he said someone at Everton weren't going to have it. I can't remember, but, but I just thought, okay, whatever. And, and the you never walk alone thing for me with walking to the ring, it was, it was, it was time for me to, to, to let that go personally. It was great at Amphi, uh, at the Echo and, and at Aintree. Mm. The atmosphere, brilliant, you know, when everyone was there to watch me. But it's it's a it's a funny song for me. You'll never walk alone because it gets me emotional. You know, if you put it on now in the house, I'd 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 get there, I'd probably well up a little bit for for, for some reason. You hear at countless funerals, things like that, don't you? And it reminds you of certain people and times and things like that. So walking to the ring with that on, it probably, yeah, it, it it did a little bit, but. I'll never forget that that night in the Echo Arena when I fought all the Addison and I walked into that and it was fucking incredible and, and I, you know no one ever take that away from me. Um but but that good to someone, it was um yeah, I got I got told it. 
it was a knob, so I just said, whatever, sign, yeah. sign to move on now, you know. What did you go into? Can't remember what you came into. You know what I went into? The water boys all of the moon, right? But, um, ah, good tune. The, the reason I did, I've said this before, the reason I did, when I was a kid, my mum got me a video off one of the stalls in town, and it was, it was like a, it was like one of them Liverpool compilation videos that some fella had put together himself, right? <laughs> so, I used to watch it though, and um, it was great. It had it had some great clips on it, great goals and great music, and it and it had it had that, that song on at the end, and it's done a montage at the end of Liverpool over the years to that song. And honest to God, if you've seen it now, you'd go, "Wow, that that's brilliant!" So I thought yeah. that's the next best thing to going into. You'll never walk alone. I'll go in. I'll go into that, and it's a good song as it is. Yeah, yeah. And you'd ever see a, sim- a similar night at Anfield? Well, there's, there's rumours that, you know, Callum Smith might headline a, a card at Anfield. Can you personally yeah. see that happening once the world gets, gets back to normal? Um, yeah, I can. But the best the best time to do it would have been round about now. Mm. You know, they were talking end of May, weren't they? So mm. that would have been the ideal time to do it. Um, but... but you can't rule it out. It just it just depends what direction Callum Smith takes because I think he's he's the man who's you know who it's going to revolve around. So it's whether Callum goes and fights Canelo, pardon me, in America or or another top American or whatever else, or we can get someone over here. It's it's it all depends on that because other than Callum, I don't think there's there's anyone at the moment who holds a world title. Especially his ones, um, but obviously there's a, there's a, there's a lot of talent in the city. You, you, you can maybe put it together, but Eddie Earns a very stupid businessman, and he'd only do it if it made business sense and there'd be enough people coming along to watch it. And to do that, you've got to have marquee names fighting. Because um, look, Bellew, Tony Bellew, he's Mister Everton, and. He fought at Goodison Park for the world title. And I don't know how many people there. It might have been 20,000 people. So, I don't think Callum Smith has got the same affiliation to Liverpool right. as Tony Bellew did to Everton. Mm. Um, so, will 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 it open? You know, will, will Liverpool fans buy into it? Or, or not? I don't know. That's why it's... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Eddie Yane thinks it's viable, you know. Yeah. Well, just before we do let you go, because we, we appreciate your time, we, again, we can't not ask you of one of your, your, your recent fights against Cash Alley. And I remember watching it, and there's a, there's a picture of you, actually, I think you've stumbled over, and he's biting you, and you're literally like to the ref, what the hell's going on? Like, he's, he's biting yeah. me. If you, yeah. can, if you can rewind back in your mind to, to that fight, what were you thinking when this was happening? When it was happening, it was like... Me, me, me initial reaction was to shout to the ref, he, he's fucking biting me. Um, and the ref dragged him off, and it was like, I don't know, I don't know what, I can't, I can't even remember. It was just he kept doing it, he kept doing it. Kept doing it yeah, he'd done, he'd done it a couple of times, and, it, and he, was, he was, I got in the ring, and he, he was charged up to death. He must have had too much pre-workout or something, mm. but I got into his head big time at the press conference and he's had a lot of disrespectful things to say before the press conference for someone who's done absolutely fuck all. And, and my daughter had been in hospital all, all week, the week before with um, appendicitis and they took her into operate and couldn't because it was it was too infected and connected to her intestine. So she was in hospital for a while and I was back and forth to all day all week and everything else and I was fucking drained. So when I went to press conference, I'd caught wind of a couple of headlines of, of him saying a couple of things, and I just I just give it to him, and it took him out of his comfort zone. And then the the frustrating thing about that fight though was when he done that, he was ready to go, and he robbed me he robbed me of the knockout win, and mm. I come out of that fight felt like I'd lost. So it fucking annoyed me. Um, although although I did forgive him for what he done, you know because of the. He messaged me on the Monday, an apologetic message, and I thought, you know what, he probably feels like the world's against him. And I just said, look, I accept your apology, you know, and that's that. Um, 
but yeah, it, it was it was bizarre. You know, never never. I'd been bit in a boxing ring before, though, many years earlier against a Turkish fella uh, in Croatia. Bit me, bit me on my chest, and it, it's obviously a sign that you're doing something right if they want to bite you. Because I was battering that fella as well. I'll say that. What, what, what are you wearing, like John Paul Gaultier or something to the ring? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, when you're saying there, like the, the, in the build-up to that fight, and there was like a little bit of nastiness coming from him. And, and obviously, we, I think, you know, we, we sort of talked it before with the Fury situation. Was, was the genuine sort of enmity there between you? And is there, I, I guess, you know, we see it as fans when, when we're watching boxing and you see all the build-up and then afterwards it's all lugs and, and I-5s and sort of thing. And it's like, how, how much of it is genuine? How much of it is sort of you know part of the promotion? Like, and... uh, yeah, I don't. I think you, I think your natural feeling before the fight will be of genuine, not not hatred or a little bit of dislike towards the opponent because we're gonna get in the ring and try and knock yeah, it yeah. out, and you know the the winner will go on to better things. So you you're both fighting for something. So you can't help but not, you know, uh, but it depends really. But after the fight, when all's said and done, I think both people are fucking relieved the fight's over anyway. Because mm. the worst thing is waiting for a fight to come. And then once it's done, you know, as long as you've given 100% and left everything in the ring, you can shake your opponent's hand and say congratulations. But there can be other there can be other times it depends how you want to play it. I mean I was fighting Dave Allen. Yeah, that was now, the other one, wasn't it? The Dave Allen one where he took the approach of being respectful to me. So I played along, you know, I was okay, I'll, I'll play the game of being respectful myself. I'll I'll treat you know, treat you how you treat me. But in my mind and in my in my soul I had a feeling of resentment towards Dave Allen, which I didn't show because I wanted to be the nice guy and, mm. you know, create the sense of security type of thing. But mm. he's had a lot to say about me in the past and I remembered that. I remembered it well and I was like, I was just keeping it in, keeping it in there. So, and then when obviously when the fight was won, that's why I was so, so happy to win that fight because it was kind of personal to me. But sometimes... You can give, you can give the opponents energy by letting them know, and, mm. and you know creating a bit of anger in their in their camp or whatever. So it depends, really. You've got to keep a poker face, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, was there a fighters? I mean, I, I remember Tony Bellew after he beat David Hay, and he was like, at, he's at the top of his where he's ever been, basically. And he was saying, "I haven't got long left. You know, I, I'm I'm getting out of here soon." Tyson Fury mm. said something similar in one of his recent press conferences. He went, "Again, I'm getting out of here soon." Where are we with you, Placey? Are you planning yeah. on, on a few more years or do you know how long you've, in your own mind you've got left without even maybe saying it to us? Yeah, yeah I've got an idea. I've got an idea. I always said I'd, I'd retire, even more, even up to more recently. Um, I said I'd retire in my 38 year. So I'm 37. So I could have two more, 37 next month. I could have two more years, but it depends on the level of boxing and, and, and opportunities coming my way. Mm. Got to be the right fights. I don't want to be getting in, but I don't want to be. I say this now, but give me a couple of a couple of wins, and then my confidence is back up because I am coming off a loss, and that naturally takes your momentum away and, and things like that. So, a couple of wins, I might be saying, look, you know, let me fight a, a, a good opponent or whatever, or a top opponent, and, and get in a big fight. But for now, it's about easing back. Maybe a little bit, um, and going from there. But where Tony Bellew said he hasn't got long left, he, you know, he meant it and retired. But a lot of fighters get to the end of a training camp and do the fight, and they think I can't be fucking doing this this for much yeah, longer. Yeah. And then your body recovers, and then you're ready to go again. That yeah. that's just how it is. But initially, when you've come out of a hard fight or the, the long training camp, you will be like, oh, can't wait to retire. But then you start feeling good again, and you're like, oh, "I want to go again." And it's about it's about deciding when's the right time to actually go. No, it is. It's time now. And and I'm not far off from that. I'm not far off from that at all. But I'll just see what I'll just see what uh, comes my way. 
And finally, I mean, we are a, we are a football podcast. It's been brilliant to speak to. You. Even as an Evertonian, I'm a massive fan of you, and I can sit here and talk talk footy and boxing with you. But Jurgen Klopp signs a new deal. He looks to be around for at least another four or five years. You're excited for Liverpool's immediate future. Brilliant, yeah. I thought he'd go. To be honest, I, we, I was starting to talk. I don't know, I don't know, I missed that, but we were talking amongst ourselves. Who would we get if he if he does go in two years? Because he's, he's kind of like. A man of principles, uh, Jürgen Klopp, where mm. if, he, if he's said something, he's got something in his head, he's going to stick to it no matter what. But that that's great news um, because he is like, to me, the second coming of Bill Shankly for Liverpool. What he's doing and what he's done, it's unbelievable. His man management of players, he's done through brick wall for him because he's mm. just, he, just gets, he just gets them. He gets each player in individually he's got a great team around him his backroom staff yeah it's uh, it's great well, I'm a bit late to the party like, but that's great news <laughs> <laughs> so the next few years are you just seeing good times ahead as, as a Liverpool fan yeah but it's not going to be as easy as being this season is it you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, but, but any other season last season we'd have won the league how, how we didn't win the league with ninety? How many points did we get? Ninety six points or something? Ninety uh, six. Um, ninety seven, wasn't it? Because they got ninety nine. Seven points <laughs> and didn't win the league. Well, yeah. I, you know, I, but we're going to be on course to do it again. That isn't a coincidence. Mm. He's, he's, he's setting something really special up there. Um, so yeah, g- great times ahead, I think, for Liverpool. It's been Absolutely. an absolute pleasure, Pricey, to speak to you tonight. Uh, we're not going to keep yeah, enjoyed that. Thanks. Too, much, too much longer, but you know, from, I'm a massive fan, like I said, Terry's as well, to speak to one of yeah. the most exciting fighters the city's ever produced. Thank you very much, Pricey, for coming on Across the Park podcast. Ah, thanks a lot, lads. Cheers, mate. Yeah, see you soon. Cheers. Ta, lads.